Welcome to Inwood Artworks On Air, where we shine a light on the musicians, filmmakers, writers, and artists of all stripes that make their home here in Upper Manhattan. I'm Aaron Sims. I'm Jonathan Bell. And I'm Gordon Ostrowski. Welcome, Gordon. Gordon is joining Jonathan and I as co-host today because he spent 25 years as stage director and assistant dean, among other things, at Manhattan School of Music. And this live and local episode promises to take us to the very heart of the opera world. Indeed, in a time when venues around the world are closed, we are about to experience live opera. We're recording this episode on this lovely summer and shady afternoon on a back porch here in Inwood, which fittingly is where Inwood Artworks began. Speaking of beginning, tell us about today's guest, Jonathan. Today, Aaron, live and local, welcomes Inwood soprano Kirsten Chambers. Kirsten made her debut at the Metropolitan Opera in the title role of Salome, which she's also sung at the Opera Hong Kong and the Florida Grand Opera. We are delighted to have her with us today on Live and Local. And accompanying Kirsten is Keith Chambers, the founder, artistic director, and principal conductor of New Amsterdam Opera. Keith has conducted hundreds of performances of nearly 50 operas for dozens of companies throughout North America and Europe. He also happens to conduct himself daily as Kirsten's husband. Ladies and gentlemen, Kirsten and Keith Chambers. When we first moved to NYC and Inwood, we moved here because we lived for art. Puccini's Tosca, Visi d'arte, says it best. I lived for art. I lived for love.
next opera is rarely done. Probably because at the end of Catalani's La Vallée, she throws herself into an avalanche. And that would be a little difficult to reenact on stage.
Kirsten and Keith, thank you so much for being here today. We're happy thank to be you. here. Um, that was absolutely incredible. Uh, could you please tell us the title of those two pieces you sang? Yes, Puccini's Tosca, Visi d'Arte, and the other aria was from Catalani's La Vallée. Uh, it was all really beautiful and uh, really honored to have both of you here. I'm going to ask a question specifically about the Catalani. Am I pronouncing that yes, right? Catalani? Yes. Okay. That's actually an aria that transports me back to um, my late teens when I watched for the first time the movie Diva. And that aria made a big impact on me. In fact, there's quite a few movies as a young person where important classical pieces and opera pieces were introduced through movies. And um, I've always thought that opera is itself a cinematic flavor. But I have two questions. One is, why does it seem like that aria, I've heard it on numerous occasions, but it's my impression that there aren't that many productions of that opera. So I'm wondering if you have anything to say about that. And I'm wondering, um, in our highly video-oriented age, have you guys been any projects that have married in any way opera to video? I will take part two. Okay. Well, uh, Catalani um, wrote two notable operas, the La Vallée and the Lorelei, neither of which are performed hardly at all. It's possible because in uh, La Vallée, the soprano throws herself into an avalanche at the end, and Lorelei, she throws herself into a river. So these present perhaps some difficult staging um, challenges. There was a production that was happening in March of 2020 at the Sarasota Opera of La Vallée. I believe they got two or three performances in, unfortunately, before it was postponed due to the coronavirus. But it is that may be the only production in the United States in any recent memory. So it's primarily just daunting logistics and that... Yes. Make, okay. <laughs> I did a concert version of Catalani's Lorelei uh, this past fall mm-hmm. with Teatro Graticello here in New York City. So that was, it's rare you get to perform his music. Um, so that, that. Yeah. I mean, Tosca jumps off the parapet of the prison into the Tiber, but that's a little more manageable. Right. <laughs> yeah, all women on the edge. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely. Right. And the second part of your question about the film. Um, Well, I guess we can announce it here. We are doing our first feature film in December, January. My friend is a film composer, Jeffrey Leiser, and it's called Far Travelers, and it's a Viking opera. And I'll be playing the character of Freydis, who is a warrior, and throughout the opera, she has an axe. So that will be very fun to play. She's a little bit of a villain. And she's a real person. She was a real person. Uh, so I get to play a Viking yet again. I've played a lot of Vikings. And my husband will be conducting that opera. But that will be a filmed opera and our first experience ever doing that. Wow. Heard it so. first here. I'm live and local, Aaron. Absolutely. We're here breaking out news left and right. We're maybe the only opera news outlet during the coronavirus, perhaps. I don't know. That sounds amazing. <laughs> We're excited. We're excited. We just signed the contract. So Well done. Mm-hmm. Congratulations. Kirsten, obviously the world of opera has changed drastically over the past few months. Uh, I understand that in March you are set to perform the role of Donana in the Indianapolis Opera's production of Don Giovanni, which was regrettably canceled. May I ask how you've been navigating your life and career in these last few months? Oh, that's a good question. Well, these last few months, I've just been pretty much doing anything I can to keep opera alive. 
Um, and I think that has meant a lot of teaching. Uh, I've had a lot of students just out of undergrad call me and just say, Kirsten, what should I do? Should I just pursue a career in voice? You know, um, they've just been very, very lost. Um, so I've had a career and I feel like it's my duty now to do whatever I can to keep opera alive and especially for the next generation of singers. So I've been doing a lot of teaching, um, a lot of webinars, a lot of master classes now a podcast, <laughs> doing whatever I can to keep opera alive in my community. But yes, that moment when our show was canceled, I was, happened to be with my husband and the theater would be, COVID was starting to really take hold and we were not allowed to perform with groups of people. And I remember when they made the announcement in our rehearsal room, the props mistress, she just put her hands in her face and she was someone who had been there before any of the singers ever arrived, painting props, building props, and nothing would be seen. All those hours of meticulous work and nothing would be seen. And we never, we didn't know if we would ever perform again. We didn't know what was happening. Any hopes of that production? They want to reschedule it, but uh, it's very difficult, of course, to reassemble the same group of artists ever. Because in opera, of course, we have individual contracts, and so each show is a different group of singers and conductor, director, but hopefully they can make that happen sometime in the future. They did do something pretty cool. They asked us all, <laughs> once our show was canceled, if we wanted to make a video of it and just do it right now in the rehearsal room, invite a few patrons. And I mean, I was a little scared to do that because we had just learned all the staging the day before. We still had a week's worth of rehearsals to go. But I did it. You know, we, we did the show. If anything, it just proved to me that it's not about a perfect performance. That was a real healing experience that we could just share music together. One quick follow up. I'm just wondering if these circumstances that we're all enduring will have any effect on the, the movie project. Who knows? Who knows? At this Who knows? We hope not. Point. We hope not. I mean, it's okay. it's. We'll see how he does that. Yeah, I Fingers hope not. crossed. He's, yeah. he's done a lot of, he's a film composer, so very educated in, in that regard. And it's a chamber orchestra. Chambered so. orchestra. He's going to do it socially distant. Is that right? So we'll see how it works out. I don't know. He's very creative. Okay. I've, I've been involved with um, his projects before. Uh, well, Keith, as we mentioned earlier, you're not just an accomplished conductor. You're the founder and creative director of New Amsterdam Opera. Can you talk about some of the challenges that you're facing uh, as an administrator as a result of the pandemic? Sure. Uh, well, we had a performance scheduled for May 9th of Verdi's Vespri Siciliani. That was postponed. We have postponed it to October, and we hope to be able to perform in October, but of course, no one really knows. So administratively, it's a lot of telling singers and patrons, we just don't know and say we're in a holding pattern. We very much want to perform. The issue with my company is that we perform with a full orchestra, which makes socially distancing very difficult because you'd have to have a very large stage to to socially distance 40 or 50 musicians. So I think overall the challenge is to just be patient (laughs) and, you know, send out a newsletter, do some social media posts now and then just to make sure people don't forget about us. But other than that, we just have to wait. I hear you. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's like a two-act play, I feel, right now. It's like act one is universal testing, and then act two is the vaccine. Yeah. yeah. And so it's kind of where we're at, it seems, at this moment in time. So do you have any advice for young singers or conductors who are wanting to get started and like get a degree and 
should they do that or should they wait or? Well, I think now is a really good time. There's fantastic stage directors, conductors, coaches, singers, everyone's available. So reach out and learn as much as you can about your craft. Now's the time to do that. This is kind of closer to home. My wife is a singer too, and we collaborate. I imagine there's some, well, I don't have to imagine. There are some real blessings to having a partner who works in the same artistic field. But uh, like many couples, you've probably spent quite a bit of time together over the past four months. I'm curious, has that circumstance changed your work or how you approach it? Oh, that's a really good question. Well, we spent the first part of the quarantine at my sister's without a piano. And Keith is my coach. So he normally coaches me at the piano. And so this was a good opportunity for me to kind of still practice and, you know, coach my, conduct myself. But he was still able to coach me just as well without the piano. I mean, he, he tells me what to do. Yikes. Uh-oh. Oh, man. Um, <laughs> but, no, I, I don't want to make your viewers sick, but I would say that I'm very lucky that we, we, that we have the opportunity to work together. So many opera singers... They always say the best part of being an opera singer is when the orchestra, you know, when you get to rehearse with the orchestra. And the favorite part for me, at least, is when we both get together with a score and we're reading it through together for the first time. And that's just such an intimate experience. And I just feel so safe because I know no one's going to support me or believe in me like for the first time. For the first time. Yes, it's true. For the first time. I like, yeah, I like sight reading a new score. It's the nerd in me. And he appreciates that. (laughs) <laughs> Thank you. Uh, you're going to perform two more pieces for us. What are they? Ooh, yes. We're going to perform Mozart's Nomi Dear from Don Giovanni. And we're going to perform um, from Previn's Streetcar Named Desire, I Want Magic. Once again, Kirsten and Keith Chambers. The next challenging aria by Mozart from Mozart's Don Giovanni is indicative of any couple's argument. I would have to say my husband and the piano, I've certainly said the following words to him. Cruel? Ah, no, beloved, not me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> 
South for many years, and I have to say, I identify just a little bit with this next character. This is uh, Blanche from Previn's Streetcar Named Desire. I want magic. And isn't that what art is all about? Thank you. 
you beat the rain. Thank you so much. That was so wonderful. Our pleasure. Thank you. Kristen and Keith, it was great to have you here. Thank you so much for sharing your time and talent with us. Um, our listeners will want to know where they might be able to find out more about you and your careers. Where can we send them? Oh, um, www.kirsten-chambers.com. www.keith-chambers.com. As always, listeners, you will find those links on the Inwood Artworks on-air webpage. Thanks to Kirsten and Keith Chambers for joining us today for this live and local episode of Inwood Artworks On Air, where we showcase the musicians that make their home in or around Inwood here in New York City. Be sure to follow us at Inwood Artworks and InwoodArtworks.nyc to keep up with all we do, including the Inwood Film Festival, Filmworks Al Fresco, pop-up galleries, live performances, and much more. So stay tuned for more editions for Inwood Artworks On Air. Thank you for tuning in. This is Aaron Sims. Jonathan Bell. And Gordon Ostrowski. For Inwood Artworks On Air. Thanks for listening to this live and local episode of Inwood Artworks On Air. If you have a moment, please show some love right now for this podcast and for the musicians, artists, filmmakers, writers of Inwood by reviewing Inwood Artworks On Air on iTunes. It really helps, and we really appreciate it. So thanks. Be sure to also check out our Artist Spotlight series, where we tell the stories of Inwood artists and its creators. In the meantime, stay tuned for more live and local programs, released monthly from Inwood Artworks. <laughs>